0: Welcome to Two Guys, One Mike, a college football podcast focused on bringing you weekly previews, reviews, and news. I'm one of your hosts, Jacob Wilson, as always joined by my fellow host, J.T. Hershowski. We are finally here to talk about some college football we watched and a huge, huge weekend of college football coming up. How you doing, J.T.?
1: We finally made it after a long, long, even just last year of a of a Half season, weird season, of a full season, but a weird season with cancelizations, uh, with no fans in the stands, and then a full off season again. At, b- between that odd season, we are finally back to a full slate of football with fans mostly back in the stands, depending on the area. And there is still some belief, some worry that games could be canceled or delayed, but um, very mitigating possibility of that happening.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It's been almost two years since we've really had a weekend like we're about to have, so we might as well dive right into this bad boy here in a minute. First, we will kind of run through week zero just real quick. I mean, obviously, there was really only one talking point because UCLA, they blew out Hawaii, so we won't really get into that a good one for them. The big game, obviously, was Illinois-Nebraska. Illinois beats Nebraska, beats Scott Frost's Nebraska uh, a great win for Illinois, and, um, you know, the hunt for six is on. The The road to six is on. They're going to be trying to get six wins this year. Um, they're starting QB. Brandon Peters did go down. Art Sikowski did come in, and we'll see what he can do. Uh, it does look like he'll have the starting job for a while with Brandon Peters being out. But I think the big storyline everyone was talking about at the end of this game was Scott Frost, and, you know, another year has gone by, and it, it looks like it's going to be just as bad this year for Nebraska and Scott Frost again.
1: Yeah, they looked horrible, didn't they? Uh, they, I mean, they looked lifeless. They looked undisciplined. Uh, they looked like they didn't have an idea of how to do on of anything to do on offense, on defense. They looked poorly coached. And then after the game, Scott Frost in his in his post game interview said, "Well, as as soon as uh, Indiana decided to line up in an odd man front, because I guess they were expecting, or no, an even man front, because they were expecting Illinois to line up in an odd man front, he goes, half our playbook went out the window." How is that a thing? How is half of your playbook gone because the other team lines up in a different odd man front than you were expecting or even man front than you were expecting? It just, it doesn't make sense. It just seems like a program that is limping along that continues to to falsely have these high bars that they can't meet and, and meet. And the program is not going in a good direction. This is not just, you know, they had a bad game, but the things are looking up. This is a program that is on the way down. They had some good recruiting classes, but I was listening to some podcasts this week saying that a lot of their good players out of their post classes have actually left the program. Wanda Robinson transferred out and some other good players have transferred out or left the program. And it's kind of, you know, these five stars that they bring in these, these four stars that they brought in were they really four stars that they won or were they four stars that, you know, they just kind of got left because no one else really kind of wanted them based on who those, who those players were. So it's a program that's in a lot of trouble uh, and, and really kind of what seems like the only thing that can save Nebraska at this point is that this NCA investigation that's currently going on about, you know, holding practices that they weren't allowed to during COVID, you know, off, off the radar that could potentially get Nebraska out of their buyout clause, because there's no way they're paying Scott Frost that ridiculous buyout clause they put in his contract when they first hire him. Uh, so it's either, it's either they can use this investigation to fire him without having to give that buyout clause or they're stuck with him for a couple more years.
0: Yeah, this is an ugly situation for Nebraska. I mean, this is one of those games you had to win. Uh, you look at their schedule and uh I kind of mentioned in their in the over under win totals, I think this is a, I thought this was a team that had to get to six wins, get to a bowl game if, if Scott Frost wanted to keep his job. And when you look at their schedule and their schedule is hard. Part of the reason their schedule is hard is because they're bad, but their schedule also is pretty difficult. Um, especially when you add Oklahoma. So if you wanted to get to that six game mark and get to a bowl game, which I think absolutely had to happen this year for Scott Frost, winning a game like this is something you had to do. Um, so to go on the road and, and lose and it made the score a little bit better at the end, but this is a pretty kind of a lopsided game. I mean, Illinois in that second half beat them pretty thoroughly and, and did it with their second string quarterback. You know, one who is a supposedly a big step step down from Brandon Peters. So this is a really, really ugly loss for Nebraska and I mean, it, it's over for Scott Frost, really, at this point. I, I think between how bad he's been the last couple seasons, how bad of a start it is to the year this year, the fact that it looks like some people you know, in the upper management are trying to get him out, I'm almost surprised he doesn't just come out and step down at this point, especially with the Oklahoma game looming. that is going to be an ugly, ugly game. So I almost feel bad for Scott Frost at this point. And the only way he can really get out of this is, is if he somehow pulls off a couple upsets and and gets gets six or seven wins. I just don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, I kind of felt like the minimum floor for Nebraska this year for him to keep his job was make a bowl game. It's something they they actually haven't done yet in his three years, his first three years at the program. It kind of felt like if they couldn't get to a bowl game this year, that was going to be enough to, to send Scott Frost packing him this really felt like a game that they had to win to get to six wins. You mentioned the schedule, you know, they get Ohio state from the East. They play Oklahoma out of conference. You know, the schedule doesn't have a lot of forgiveness for off weeks like this. If you want to get it to six wins and win a bowl game. So this just puts them further behind the eight ball. Uh, You feel bad. You might feel bad for Scott Frost. I certainly don't. I think this is all his doing. This is his team. This is the position he's put himself in. And I think it's harder to get players to come to Nebraska today, much harder than it was 10 15 20 years ago uh, you know everyone gets on national tv these days and like living in lincoln nebraska it has its drawbacks we can say uh you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and so i think you know he he's he was never going to get that program back to what it was but he certainly hasn't elevated from where it was even the coaches before him so uh i think he is on his way out potentially uh, barring an act of god in my opinion
0: all right moving on to week one what we've all been waiting for gonna be an awesome week and it starts tonight uab plays jackson state i want to say um isn't that where what's his name's coaching by chance is that right
1: oh um barry sanders
0: yeah something like that i don't think it's barry sanders it's um someone else but yeah i want to say it's an fcs school he's been recruiting well um uab obviously one of the the favorite teams of the pod so so that could be a fun game that's on tonight um by the time you listen to this it will will already happen but I assume you don't have any locks there, so.
1: Deion Sanders, I apologize. I got my famous athletes mixed up.
0: All right, moving on to Thursday night. So what we're going to do here is we're just kind of going to run through the games. I might skip over a few if I don't think they're notable, but we'll run through the games. Um, I'll mention them if I feel they're notable. If they're a pretty big game, then obviously we'll talk about it. And if we have a lock, then, then obviously we'll talk about it as well. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, Thursday night, 6:30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Temple plays Rutgers. Could be a, a bit of a big game. Temple's a decent non-power five program. I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but Rutgers. These are the kind of games out of conference that you got to want, that you got to win if you want to get to uh, you know four or five wins.
1: Yeah, excited so. to see real quick. Just excited to see Rutgers, just because they're one of those programs that has basically filled their roster this year with bringing in a lot of transfers. And we'll see if the, a lot of those transfers are able to kind of come together you know, bring in some cohesion. Something you worry is that bringing a lot of players from some different areas and may not all be able to put it together. So something to watch in that game.
0: A huge game um, on Thursday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Got Boise State taking on UCF, two teams that are expected to be really solid in the non-Power Five this, this year. And I'll be honest saying I don't know a ton about these teams and what they're going to be, but. Obviously, when you look at these two programs, I mean, they're probably up there over the past 10 years as the, the two biggest non-Power 5 programs that come to mind when people, when people talk about non-Power 5 teams. So this will be a really fun game.
1: I don't think you ever mentioned the team names.
0: Uh, oh, yeah.
1: Boise State, UCF. Okay, yeah. That's where I thought you were going, but there's also UCF, I, I guess NC State's a Power 5 program. Uh, but yeah, a big, uh, big non-conference game tomorrow or big out of conference game, excuse me, coming up um, just tomorrow night. I love these. I love these group of five teams, you know, finding ways to to get more TV spots, especially in week zero and week one and playing on a Thursday night uh, is a great way to do that. Um, neither of these teams are ranked, I believe, considering they're not showing up in my top 25 NCAA scoreboard. I have to switch it over to all FBS here. And of course my page is not going to load uh, in time for me to be able to talk about this game. Here we go. But uh, yeah, obviously two programs that kind of are the quintessential faces of, of group of five dominance, you know, Cincinnati's kind of joined that in the past couple of years, but Boise state was the program that really came onto the scene and has kept that sustained success now being in the mountain West and UCF obviously is with Scott Frost, the guy we just talked about. He was a lot of what, of course it was George O'Leary before him, but then Scott Frost having the undefeated season in 2015-2016 I believe uh, and and so the, but UCF even after the departure of Scott Frost has been able to kind of maintain it, its power you know haven't won the American in a couple of years but you know you, you just love these big time you know group of five out of conference games something that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on.
0: Coastal Carolina ranked 22 plays the Citadel usually a team Alabama plays but Coastal Carolina gets them in there out of conference this year and that's just notable because they are ranked, and after their year last year, it'll be interesting to see how they, they start the season. Uh, skipping down a little bit, we have Tennessee playing Bowling Green. They are 35-point favorites. SEC Network at 8 p.m., and then obviously the big game of Thursday night that everyone's looking forward to tomorrow night. It's uh, 8 p.m. on Fox. It is number four Ohio State traveling to Minnesota.
1: Is game really eight, what is it, 8 p.m.? I oh, don't know why I thought it was 7. Yeah, obviously the the big Power 5 uh, game of the week, Ohio or the Big Ten is starting to go to these conference versus conference matchups. Week 1, and I love it, and I think it's a great way for an Ohio State program who's the cream of the crop of the Big Ten, the big dogs that everyone would try to knock down. Let's put them on the road at night on a Thursday night, first week of the season when they're breaking in, a new freshman quarterback. Let's put them on the road against a veteran squad like Minnesota, who brings back a lot of production from last year. And, you know, Minnesota, just remember two years ago, they're two years removed from that 11-2 and season uh, where they finished second in the Big Ten West, went to a bowl game, beat Auburn, really struggled last year, but that team was just ravaged with injuries and COVID problems all year. They kind of started to get it going late in the season where they got some players back. But a lot of people were expecting this Minnesota team to resemble more of that 11-2 2019 team that you know 2020 team last year they do lose some some big names off that from that 2019 obviously everyone knows Rashad Bateman uh the the big time wide receiver and they lose some people in the secondary some of their best safeties including Anton Winfield Jr but it's still a program that has a really good identity a big offensive lineman running the football Mohamed Ibrahim comes back he was probably the the big standout for them last year had over a thousand yards rushing and Minnesota only played nine or seven to eight games I believe uh so so uh, really brings back a productive rushing game, and if Tanner Morgan can can couple that rushing game with this 2019 performance, this Minnesota team can can make a lot of noise this year. But they bring in the big dogs uh, of the Big Ten, Ohio State, who has won the Big Ten now four years in a row, uh, looking to make it number five. Uh, a program that just rebuild re- reloads. Uh, and they never rebuild; they just reload. And really, you know, while they are replacing their quarterback. They bring back a lot of everybody else on offense. The The offensive line is expected to be still the best in the nation, if not one of the best. And they bring back the most elite, deep, and diverse wide receiver core in the country. So CJ Shroud certainly has probably the perfect uh, opportunity around him to succeed, albeit being a freshman quarterback. But, Uh, Really looking forward to this game. Uh, I'm excited that Ohio State, as an Ohio State fan, I'm excited this is actually happening in September. It's going to be 71, maybe a little bit of scattered showers, but nothing crazy. Now I don't have to deal with that cold Minnesota weather that you can sometimes get if you go there in October or November.
0: Yeah, it's going to be beautiful, really, in the Midwest over these next few weeks. It looks really beautiful, the weather forecast, so... Uh, God knew that you know football season was here, September was here, and you love to see it. But for this game, um, I agree with I agree with you. I, I'm really excited to see what C.J. Stroud does. He has a lot of weapons around him, but they are they are t- playing a team that's no slouch. Usually, Ohio State's used to opening up their seasons with an Akron or a Bowling Green or even an FCS program, something like that that they can bully. So this year, in a year where they're bringing in a new QB right off the bat, and only not only that, they're going on the road to Minnesota. Can be a tough atmosphere, and I'm sure it will be tomorrow night. So, this is a big game for Ohio State. It's a big game for the Big Ten. I'm really excited for it. In terms of locks, I do have Ohio State minus 14. I understand why this line is as low as as low as it is. Um, Minnesota is a pretty solid football team. They're at home. They're bringing some people back, and Ohio State obviously week one going on the road with a freshman QB. But I just think Ohio State's too talented. I think nowadays having a freshman QB who's unproven just It just doesn't matter as much as it did 20 years ago. I think this guy's a stud. I think some of the receivers, like you mentioned, he's throwing to are absolute studs and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. And even past that, there's three or four other names that are really solid. So I just think this team's too talented. I think Ohio State's defense is going to improve. And I think that this is a a game that could maybe be one of those kind of halftime, you know, scores that people look at and Ohio State's only up three, but even still, the team that with this ex- explosiveness that they have on offense, they could score two touchdowns. Like it's nothing. And I think this is a, a spread that I would not be surprised if Ohio state covered easily.
1: Yeah. This game kind of reminds me of, of some similar games that Ohio state has opened with in the past. Back in 2015, they opened up with Virginia tech on the road in 2017. I believe they opened up with Indiana on the road, both of those games, night games. Uh, and th- those, both those Virginia tech and, and Indiana games, Ohio state actually trailed at halftime in both of those games only to pour it on in the second half, really wear those teams down and, and just have those teams gassed by the middle of the third quarter and then put up just explosive number on offenses and, and win that game by 21, 28 points. So I could see this game being very similar. I don't have it as a lock. Uh, and mainly that reason is, it's just because I think this Minnesota team is sneaky good this year. I think they're going to hang around and I could even see this being a potential backdoor cover situation with just how, uh this Ohio State defense I think is still going to be a work in progress in the early weeks of the season I think this game is high scoring I could even go over 62 and a half uh, I'm not going to be making any bets on this game um, not because I don't want to just be that classic fan Ohio State fan that just enjoys the game uh, I just don't feel any conviction either way I could see Ohio State you know blowing them out in the second half but I could also see Minnesota's offense being able to keep pace and keeping that backdoor cover I still kind of feel like I want to go over but I feel like also Minnesota knows that they're going to have to keep possession, keep the ball, run the clock down if they want to hang around in this game. So I just don't feel any super conviction either way. I do think this is obviously an Ohio State victory. Uh, just it, it kind of feels like Ohio State. I hate to say it, but it kind of feels like Ohio State is becoming what Clemson has been in the ACC the past five years. And I think they're just so much better than everybody else. And really, uh, Ohio State just has a massive advantage at, uh, at the line of scrimmage in this game. Minnesota's offensive line is really good, too. But I think Ohio State's defensive line is good enough to kind of hold it even there. Uh, and then Minnesota has no way to hang with Ohio State's offensive line. In my opinion, they got pushed back by everybody they played last year. They try to bring in some transfers, but uh, you're going up against the best offensive line in the country. I think Minnesota, especially in the third quarter, third, fourth quarter, maybe even late second quarter, I could see this Minnesota defensive line really getting more down by the end of the game.
0: All right. We move on to Friday night. There's two big games here um, and we'll start with North Carolina traveling to lane stadium, Virginia Tech, 6 p.m. on ESPN. It is a massive game in the ACC, two really solid teams in the ACC. Um, and it's a tough, it's kind of a tough, uh, you know, road game right at the jump for North Carolina. They're expected to do big, big things this year. Sam Howe, obviously one of the biggest names in, in college football, Mac Brown has got this program going, recruiting really well. And this is supposed to be their year, you know, last season, they had a few slip ups people mentioned the recruiting classes they had the last few couple of years. This was going to be their year. And they're traveling to a very desperate team in Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente. He's kind of been on the hot seat the past couple of years. And I mean, he's going to be desperate for a win. This crowd always enter Sandman. I mean, this crowd is always crazy, it's always raucous. So I think it's going to be a really good game. I think this crowd's going to kind of will this Virginia Tech team. In this game, um, but I think at the end of the day, North Carolina, with their talent, especially with Sam Howe and what he's known for in the fourth quarter, they'll find a way to find a way to sl- slip away and get out of there with a dub. Um, I do not like the line at all. I wouldn't bet on either side of it, though. Um, I think my my guess is North Carolina finds a way to win this game by three to seven points.
1: This is this this is going to be a fun game. I think this is probably one of the big underrated games of the week. Uh, especially being on a Friday night the only really other game it has to compete with on Friday is Michigan state Northwestern. I think this game is a bigger draw. I I think it's going to be a fun matchup. I mean, you're talking about North Carolina who has tried to separate themselves as that, that second team in the ACC, right? It's just been cleansing and everybody else for the past five years, Uh, North Carolina has made some real, some real push lately to try to be that second team in the ACC. And this, this is the type of games that, you know, if you're really that second team in the ACC, you win this game, but if you're not, you you probably lose this game. This is a tough environment to go to. Uh, Virginia Tech has an incredible home field advantage, especially those night games when everyone's watching. They, the stadium really gets fired up. They play Enter Sandman. The crowd goes nuts, I and mean, you can get really loud uh, at Virginia Tech. And that's something that North Carolina has going to have to deal with week one. Now, I will say, you probably have the best quarterback you'd want I, if you probably besides Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell is the quarterback you'd want going into a situation like this but these type of games just find a way to get weird remember North Carolina last year was ranked fifth in the nation went to Florida State lost that game a game they really shouldn't have lost I think this is a big game for North Carolina if they want to be that second team in the ACC that team that's challenging Clemson this year this is a game you got to win so I think it's a fun one to keep an eye on
0: yeah right after that game 9 p.m on ESPN the other big game Friday night we have Michigan State traveling to Chicago, to Northwestern. Pretty big game in the Big Ten. Um, Obviously, one of the teams we saw make an appearance in the Big Ten title game last year, Northwestern. They are returning. They were one of the lowest teams in returning production. I think they might even be last in the nation. So they're not bringing a lot back. They are starting Hunter Johnson at QB this year, who I absolutely, absolutely do not believe in. We saw him two years ago in that season where they went three and nine. He started some of the games. And he looked pretty, pretty, pretty rough. If we're being honest, um, Michigan State is a program that's on the rise. Um, they're starting to look better. They're building back, building back from you know how rough it was two years ago last season. They got a couple upset wins and looked all right. And I think this year is especially with the non-COVID off season is one they can continue to build on. And this is another game I have a lock on. Um, early in the week, I got Michigan State plus four. Yes, they're on the road. Yes, Northwestern was in the Big Ten title game last year, but. I think Michigan State has stepped up a lot from last year, and even last year was solid. I like. I think they, they probably built together a lot this this offseason. I think Northwestern's taking a big step back, and I really don't like Hunter Johnson as the QB, and you're giving me four points. So I'm going to take Michigan State plus four all day.
1: Don't forget in Northwestern's uh, incredible season last year where they went to the Big Ten Championship game, uh, they lost to Michigan State on the road 29-20, to and that was a Michigan State team that I think – uh, it's much worse, not much worse, is worse than the current Michigan State team we have. And I think Northwestern has regressed. You mentioned all of the, you know, lack of returning production on this team, uh, the uneasiness at the quarterback position. And Michigan State is another one of those programs that's brought in a lot of transfers. Uh, and we'll have to, it's still, jury's still out on whether it'll all gel together. But I think this program has a higher ceiling than Northwestern, even though this game's at a night game at Ryan Field. I don't, I don't put Ryan Field as a very big home field type of advantage for Northwestern. I think Michigan State actually probably will be the better team in this game. I'm still surprised that this line is minus three. I think there's just some bias as to what Northwestern was last year. You and I, again, we've talked about how Northwestern has these peaks and valleys, and last year was a peak, and this year is looking like it could be a valley. I wanted to go plus four with you, but I decided that I wanted a little bit better return for only giving up a couple points. So I'm actually taking Michigan State on the money line to win outright. Uh, I get a plus 140 return on that. And that bet is kind of coupled with another bet I might make uh, later in the day, uh, specifically picking two underdogs. And all I need is one to win. Uh, and I come out in the positive. And I, I feel very good about Michigan State's chances to go into, to, into Ryan Field and come out with a victory.
0: Yeah, two guys who have been to Ryan Field. I can definitely tell you it is not much of a home field advantage at
1: all. Well, when we went, it was half Ohio State fans. But even then, uh, the half Northwestern fans were not raucous, you could say. They are very Northwestern.
0: Yeah, it was it was a rough night for them too, but now we move on to Saturday and this is where we feast. Good games everywhere. Um and obviously a huge huge game in the Big 10 to start off the day. Big Noon on Fox. I have come to love these games. It's always a fun game, I feels like. And uh this week Big Noon on Fox at 12 p.m. obviously, we get number 19 Penn State traveling to Wisconsin. This is a super, super interesting game. Um, you have Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. It's going to be really interesting to see what Graham Mertz looks like after last year. Um, obviously that running game is going to be there. Like it always is that defense is going to be there. Like it always is. And the bigger question of this game is what, what is Penn state going to be this year? And maybe we won't find that out this week. Maybe it's going to take some time to gel, but it is possible. We do find it out this week and they come out and look pretty strong against Wisconsin. And it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it was a really up and down season to say the least last year. They started out 0-5 then they rattled off four straight wins. Um, in terms of the line, I, I really don't have any clue. I think it's a pretty solid line where it's set. I would probably wander towards Penn State plus five and a half. I think they're going to improve on what they were last year. Um, although road games can be tough for Penn State, obviously, but a line I would stay away from. I'm mostly just really excited to sit down and watch this game, and kind of find out what these two teams are this year
1: line you would stay away from and I have two bets on this game Uh, so obviously we see it very differently I'm first off uh, outside of betting I'm very excited for this game we've talked about the big 10 putting marquee matchups week one between conference opponents and this is a great one—the odds-on favorite and the Big Ten West, and the other team that's been the consensus second-best team in the East behind, you know, the juggernaut Ohio State the last five ten years—and uh, put them together week one. I, I love it, and also just making sure that they play in crossover games. Uh, I'm really a big fan of it, and I think it's an incredible matchup. Talking about a Penn State team that, while well, everyone talks about, they started 0-5 last year—the first top 10 program to start 0-5. You know, they finished that year last year on a four-game win streak, and Wisconsin also struggled last year. Yes, they had a lot of COVID issues to deal with. Um, you know, Grant Mercer, starting quarterback, didn't get to play two games of the year. But even after he came back, it just never felt like he was kind of the guy that he could potentially be the reason that they benched Jack Cohn. So this is a really interesting game. But uh, I have kind of some principal bets on here. And we've talked about some principles in the past on this podcast about betting. And a very common principle is to bet the unders early in the season. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. I really think that Wisconsin's going to play Wisconsin football. Uh, they're going to run the ball. Uh, it's going to be play action with Graham Mertz. I don't think they're going to ask him to do too much, especially, you know, coming off of struggling last year and playing a really good defense in Penn State this year. Penn State always has a really solid running game, so I think that could potentially be a stalemate. And then on the other side of the ball, I have talked numbers of time in the past about Sean Clifford being a completely different quarterback on the road than he is at home. He's a great quarterback at home, but he just has he has bad stats. and not just Also not just bad stats, but also just bad moments, picks in the red zone on the road in big time games and yes it's his 30 years as starting quarterback but in two years we've yet to see him put together solid performances on the road and now he's got to go into one of the most hostile environments on the road in camp randall at wisconsin week one i think both of these offenses struggle i think they're both kind of janky to start out the season i think both of these teams have really good defenses and i think they play ball possession. so uh, and i think also both but both of these teams are well coached so we're not going to have a crazy you know special teams touchdown um, pick six, anything like that. I think these are well-coached teams who play strong defense. Uh, so I feel very comfortable about the under 50. And I feel good about Wisconsin minus five and a half. I haven't seen a lot of people joining in on with me, but all this Wisconsin team has to do is win by a touchdown. I think it's very reasonable against a Penn State team that just, I think, continues to kind of struggle with Sean Clifford in big games on the road.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. I kind of forgot about over-unders when I was making my locks earlier in the week. So I was looking at some while you were talking I always love unders in the big 10 I'll take the under 46 on Michigan state Northwestern and the under uh, under under 50 on Penn state, Wisconsin as well.
1: All right. I love it.
0: All right. So we move on to another game where I have a lock surprise, surprise. I promise I don't have that many more Um, Stanford travels to Kansas state earlier in the week. I got Kansas state minus one and a half. looks like it's at minus three. Now Um, Kansas state's just a really solid program. I love what they've been since that That new coach has come in since from North Dakota State. I don't remember his name, but he's been really solid. Obviously, we've seen him beat Oklahoma in back-to-back years. And I don't even care. I haven't even looked at the returning production for Kansas State. I haven't even looked at who their QB is. I don't care. I know they're a really solid program. I know they're well-coached. And I know right now Stanford's in a really bad downturn the past couple of seasons. It's It's been pretty rough for them, and I just think Kansas State is in a better spot, and they're at home. Um, so easy – Easy for me to pick Kansas State here, minus one and a half. Also a decent spot for under 53 if you want it. I'm not gonna minus care. one and a half? Earlier in the week I got that, yeah.
1: Uh, well, I'll have to settle for my minus three that I got this morning. Uh, but lock agreement. Uh, and this is a mostly fade Stanford with a little bit of – I'm a big Skylar Thompson fan. Uh, the Stanford yeah. program has just struggled to be what they used to be. Um, when the early signing period came out, David Shaw really spoke out against it and basically said because of Stanford's academics and when they accept students, they can't really take many early in signees. And by the time players want to sign in the early enrollment period now the early signing period, Stanford can't take any of those players. They kind of have to wait and, and see what's left. And these players want to commit early. So ever since really that kind of new wrinkle became into college football, Stanford's hasn't been the same. They can't get the talent that they used to. Uh, and I'm a big Scholar Thompson fan. I'm a big fan of also Kansas State, the program that they run. You had mentioned, um, the, the, like you said, the new coach, um, I'm going to look up his name. because I don't, Chris Kleiman from from North Dakota State. Ever since he's came to this, um, this wildcat program, he, I think Kansas State has been in a great place. Uh, and I really like them. They get this game at home too against a, an opponent that I think they are much better than. Uh, I love that bet. I'm sad. At, I'm sad that if they only win by a field goal and get a push and you win, but, uh, I'd almost bet this up to minus six and a half. So the fact that I'm getting it at three, I still feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really surprised this line was so low. Um, Vegas always knows something, so I guess we'll find out. But moving on to three games, we'll kind of just run through real quick. Tulane is traveling to Oklahoma. Um, unexpectedly, Tulane, this game was supposed to be in New Orleans, uh, where Tulane is at. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for Tulane, because this probably would have been the biggest home game in the history of their program, getting to host a, Huge program, number two Oklahoma this year, but unfortunately with Hurricane Ida and everything that happened this past weekend, that game will be in Norman now, Uh, Oklahoma minus 31 and a half. That's 12 on ABC. Um, Michigan is at home to Western Michigan. That game is on ESPN. Uh, Michigan, only 17 point favorites against Western Michigan. Kind of shows where they're at and what Vegas thinks of them at this point. Um, Not really anything I would touch in terms of the line, but Michigan will you know want to come out and hopefully have a solid start to their season against a pretty bad bad team and they'll be hoping to kind of knock off some of the rust before their big game against Washington next week and then finally uh, another another uh, kind of middle of the tier middle of the pack game I want to talk about is Oregon at home to Fresno State we saw what Fresno State did last last week to a really really bad team in Connecticut but still um, a good week a good week and good win for Fresno State so they'll be kind of riding high and they are a good program traveling to Oregon. It's still going to be a tough game for them, but it's maybe one of those games where at halftime you might flip it on because it's a little close.
1: Yeah. I got nothing for this one.
0: <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. So those three games kind of run through those and then we're right back to the big games, 3.30 PM, ABC, Alabama traveling to Miami. Um, let's see what the line is. The line is plus 19 and a half for Miami. Um Obviously, a big game in college football. Miami is expected to be pretty solid with Derrick King this this year. um kind of building off some of the progress they made last year. Alabama, you're defending national champions, I uh, regrettedly say that, but but yeah, the defending national champions they are not re- rebuilding but reloading similar to a high how high state and Clemson and Oklahoma and Georgia do it reloading like they always do and for my money, um I think this is we always see this in week one Alabama kind of plays a close to top 25 somewhere in that area team they play them at a neutral field I believe this one's neutral right I think so yeah and they they typically kind of have this 14 to 21 line they usually blow out the team I almost want to say it's going to be different this year Um, but at the same time Bryce Young is supposed to be really solid reports out of the camp as he looks really good and I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban had this team clicking week one like they almost always are and I wouldn't be surprised if they ran away with this game. What about you?
1: I don't have a super um, large conviction either way on this game. I'm kind of hazy. I, I do want to take Alabama. It seems like the really safe bet in this game. They seem to always find a way to blow out these teams. And I really don't think with how good Alabama's defense is going to be this year that Miami's going to be able to do much. Uh, so i don't think this game has to be super high scoring i think i, I can see alabama winning this game like a 30 to 3 30 to 10 type of deal and still covering but they do lose a lot of production on offense and bryce young as talented as he is it'll be his first start you know in atlanta at a neutral site against miami obviously this miami team is going to be fired up it's going to be probably their super bowl this year a game that you know they're going to want to make competitive but we always feel like these teams are playing go get psyched up for the play Alabama, and then they still get squashed. So Alabama feels like the safe bet this year, but I think just because it's a freshman quarterback in his first game in a neutral site, I could just see Nick Saban playing this close to the vest. They've got a lot of – really a lot of unproven players, and Alabama is absolutely a program that reloads, um, but it's going to be guys doing it who haven't done it before. And we talked about Ohio State. You know, They're bringing in a new quarterback, but they're bringing in elite – talent that is already produced in, in, re, in recent years where a lot of this Alabama offense feels very new. Um, they lose Devontae Smith. They lose Najee Harris. They lose some of those great offensive linemen uh, and they lose Mac Jones. And it feels just like a lot of new pieces on offense that I worry that maybe Nick Saban just plays this to, to run the ball, play good defense and get out of there with a 14 point win. So um, I, I don't have enough conviction to take Alabama, but it is my safer bet of the two. If you'd put a um, if you put a gun to my head and say, take a bet, I'd take Alabama minus 19 and a half, but um, I just feel like I have better conviction on other games this week. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, programs like Ohio state and Alabama and, and even Clemson, if you're not around those programs, it can be kind of hard to to talk about those teams week one, if you're not familiar with the program, because there is just so much moving around and reloading that the teams are just always so different year to year. And that's the way it is with Alabama this year. And I think this is one of those games I'm definitely Interested to see how Derek King's going to look this year, and I'm really interested to see how Alabama reloads, what some of their wide receivers are looking like, um, what Bryce Young is looking like, and definitely one of those games I'll stay away from betting-wise and just a game I'm interested to watch and kind of see how I feel about these two teams going forward. So moving on, the Big Ten is stealing the show this week, um, 3.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. Indiana, number 17, travels to number 18, Iowa. A huge matchup. Um, two teams in the Big Ten that are expected to be really solid this year. Obviously, Iowa's in the West, so they, they could be expected to have a little bit of a better year with an easier schedule. But this is a fun game. Um, it's, you know, I mean, Iowa, everyone's expecting this team to be really, really solid this year. Everyone's also expecting Indiana to be solid. I mean, I think some people that really follow college football are maybe expecting a bit of a step back. Their schedule is really difficult playing in the East, and they still don't necessarily have that talent to compete with the likes of Ohio State and, and Penn State, I know they beat Penn State last year, but weekend and week out, it's really tough to compete with these programs you can't can't compete with in terms of recruiting rankings. This is another one of those games, you know, I kind of want to wait and see. I don't know a lot about Iowa and their QB situation and how that's going to look, but it's another Big Ten game. It will probably be a bit sloppy. Um, the over-under is 46, and, yeah, I mean, Kinnick Stadium is, a, is always a tough place to go, and I think this is – I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa – kind of ran it down their throat, kind of played physical football, especially at home and and found a way to win this game.
1: Yeah, this is a this is a really intriguing matchup. I mean, obviously Indiana was kind of everyone's favorite team last year. Had the the upset win in overtime at the two-point conversion against Penn State to start the season. Was undefeated going into that Ohio State game, even though they lost that game almost a stage an incredible comeback. You know, won the rest of won, I believe the rest of their games for the rest of the season. Uh, And probably the most successful season Indiana's had in a long time, broke a ton of records that have been standing for 60, 70 years. And then they return all of that, almost a lot of that production. And so you kind of think, wow, this is going to be a big breakout year for for Indiana. So it's kind of interesting that everyone kind of sees them as, as there seems to be a consensus around college football that they're going to take a step back. And, And there's a number of kind of reasons, but I think a lot of people who looked into the really stats of Indiana last year felt that a lot of their success was based off luck um, the amount of interceptions they had last year was astronomical. I mean, it was over two interceptions a game is what they averaged last year. Obviously some part of that is how you play defense, but that is not something that can be sustained long-term. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. hit a lot of big plays last year, but still continue to be in ex- inconsistent. Also didn't finish the year last year. He's now been the starter for Indiana two years in both years. He didn't finish the season because of injury. So, uh, it's a game where, you know, Indiana despite all the hype around them, it almost kind of seems like there's not hype around them. There should be hype around them, but there's not. And that kind of leads into them being an underdog going on the road against Iowa and Iowa. While, you know, Indiana got all the attention last year and Iowa, and rightfully so. And, and Iowa started the year 0 and two last year, but then the way they finished the year, they were probably the hottest team in the big 10 last year outside of Ohio state, but Ohio state was Ohio state last year in the way that they finished the season. Uh, and they bring a lot of that production back and it's going to be one of their best defenses. I think they've ever had. And the fact that this game is on the road at Kinnick stadium, we know what it's like when ranked teams go into Kinnick stadium, there just always seems to be a way for Iowa to kind of hang around um, and find a way to win these games. I think that they're equal teams. I think even maybe potentially Iowa's a little bit better and I want to bet this game. It's on my list of potential bets, Iowa minus three, but, I'm going to back off of it and it's going to back off of it because I think Indiana has a significant edge at the quarterback position. Um, Iowa's quarterback room is really unproven. Uh, I don't feel as confident as I am. So I'm going to stay away from this game, but a really fun, interesting game. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's similar to Alabama, Miami and one of those games that I'm definitely staying away from in terms of betting and not even just betting, but just kind of like talking about with a lot of confidence. I'll fully admit that. I more just kind of want to sit and watch college football this weekend and kind of learn about some of these teams and, and how they look, especially at the quarterback position. And this is one of those games where I think these are two very evenly matched teams. So whoever comes out on top, we're going to learn a lot about. So moving on, we've got West Virginia taking on Maryland. That is obviously a, a fun game. You know, it's kind of fun when those those power five teams get together and play each other. Don't really have any thoughts on it. Marshall plays Navy. Um, go Marshall. Let's go. Yep. We'll be rooting for Marshall all year this year. (laughs) Um, What else do we got? We got Louisiana, a ranked matchup here, actually. Number 23, Louisiana, Ragin' Cajuns taking on 21, Texas. Texas is at home. Um, You know, Steve Sarkisian, it's its first game as as coach. Their first game um, kind of in the new QB era. So this is a really fun game especially considering Louis, Louisiana has no slouch. Obviously they're ranked for a reason, and this is going to be another one of those games where I'm just going to sit and watch because it's going to be really interesting to see what Texas is. Part of me wants to take Texas minus eight just because I think there's a lot of hype around Louisiana with what they did to Iowa State last year. That was a bit of a fluke, and I think there's a lot of hype, not hype, but a lot of people don't think Texas is going to be great. Um, but I think they're going to be solid with Sark. He, he was obviously the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He knows what he's doing. He has some off the field issues in his past, but I think he's a really good good play caller. And I think he's gonna lead this team to to be pretty be pretty decent this year. Um still a line I'd stay away from and, and a game I'm mostly just excited to sit back and watch and see what Texas's offense, especially, is gonna be this year.
1: Yeah, man. This game I thought for sure that this line would be way different than it was. I thought with Louisiana with the year they had last year, returning a lot of that production. You see that a lot from the group of five teams this year. They return a lot of production because they got a free year, and obviously these group of five programs don't have many, you know, players who are expected to to be drafted in the NFL as these power five programs. So returning a lot of that production from last year, really good year. And, you know, with Texas, a new coach, new quarterback, you know, what's it going to be? I thought for sure that Louisiana, this line would be much closer, and I was ready to absolutely go hammer Texas on this line. Excuse me, I don't, my laptop's been weird today. Um, I was ready to absolutely hammer uh, Texas Then Vegas comes out with Texas minus eight. They read my mind. They knew exactly where I wanted to go with this, and they put it just above a touchdown, something that just makes me too nervous to not bet it. Uh, So it's going to have to be a stay away game for me. I'm really excited for it. I I really don't have much idea of what to expect. I could see this just being a game where, you know, it's definitely a game where Texas is not going to overlook Louisiana like Iowa State did last year. I don't think Iowa State really knew much about Louisiana last year, and even then they still probably outplayed them in that game. You can hate me if you want, but because Louisiana won by 17. But if you go look at the stats of the game, that's really how it went. Uh, I don't think Texas is looking past Louisiana this year. I think they know what they're about. I think they know they got to come to that game focused, dialed in. Um, I'm really excited about Texas's starting quarterback. Um, I've heard good things about him coming out of camp. Can't get the name off the top of my head. I think Steve Sarkeesian kind of has his head on straight after, you know, a couple of years under Nick Saban kind of really kind of, I think he's, I think he's got big aspirations for this Texas football program. Uh, but Louisiana obviously is a good football team. There's a reason they won those games last year. They're well-coached. They're well-disciplined. I, I think it's a really fun matchup.
0: 7, 7 PM FS1, Oregon state takes on Purdue. Another one of those kind of middle of the tier two power five teams from different conferences take on each other. Those matchups are always fun. That could be a fun game. Purdue are seven point favorites. And then moving on to what is the game of the week college game day will be there. Um, Everyone will be super excited for this game. It is neutral site too, which could, could be fun. I don't always like neutral site games, but I think this will be a fun one. I think the crowd will be split really evenly 50-50 with these teams in the South, pretty close to to where this game is going to be. and It's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to be a fun game between two big name programs, Georgia versus Clemson, number five versus number three. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on this game, so I'll let you uh, take the reins.
1: Man, I spent the entire summer leading up to this football season just hyping up Georgia. I thought they were going to walk into this game. They were going to smack Clemson around. I still think that they can. Uh, And I thought they were going to walk away from this game, you know, really showing what I thought all season, that they are potentially the most talented team in football and that they were really going to – to kind of put Clemson on this track of now where they'd lost three big games in a row and some questions were starting to rise about, you know, if the program can continue to compete at elite level. But I just wanted to make sure that everything was good before I made my bets this week and Georgia puts out their injury report and George Pickens, Owen Condon, Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, Quay Walker, Jalen Kimber, Warren Erickson, Dominic Blaylock, Keirce Jackson, Jermaine Burden, John Fitzpatrick, all were p- expected to not play in this game due to injury. And George Pickens, four wide receivers, George Pickens, Dominic Blaylock, Keiris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, and their best tight end in John Fitzpatrick. One thing I thought Georgia had a real advantage in this game with JT Daniels at the quarterback position was to be able to attack Clemson's secondary and push the ball downfield. Well, Now they don't have any wide receivers to throw it to. They don't have a tight end to throw. They, have, they still have tight ends what to throw it this to. This thing thing? Thing? It I'm just going to close time. that out. Excuse me. My apologies. Again, I'm just going to exit out of ESPN. So we don't have that again. Uh, talking about the Georgia downfield passing game. Uh, they don't have anyone to throw it to anymore. Uh, and even that, you know, that defense is a little bit banged up. So this just feels like I completely have to revert my court, reverse my position. I'm reversing course on this. I'm no longer betting Georgia on the spread of plus three. I'm no longer taking Georgia on the money line, but I still feel like I have a pretty good conviction on this game. I am taking Clemson, Georgia, to go under. What number did I get it at earlier today? I think I got it at 51. 51. Uh, I feel really good about this bet. That's seven touchdowns to work with. I don't think these teams combine to score seven touchdowns. I just told you about the fact that, you know, Georgia doesn't have a great downfield passing game. We're also going up against one of the best defensive lines in the country. In Clemson's defensive line. But then on the other side of the ball, we know how good Georgia's defense is. Uh, it doesn't matter who's on that defense, the names, they're always going to be really good. And I think Clemson's offense struggles, especially early this season. I think their offensive line, who was overmatched against Ohio State, they did nothing. They actually lost Jackson Carmen off that line and then didn't really add anybody um, of significance to replace him. So I think that offensive line uh, is still kind of under construction, maybe is the best way to put it. Don't have Travis Etienne to throw to anymore. I'm not sure if their wide receiver who, you know, had to miss last year because of, you know, the thing in his neck, I believe Uh, Justin Ross, his name came to me, uh, is going to play in this game, Uh, but he's still just one guy. And then, you know, as good as DJU is, I'm not going to try and say his last name. uh, He's still a freshman who in his two starts last year, really struggled. Uh, He played well, but the team as a whole struggled in those games. Uh, So I just think that these teams, and then of course, it's a big game early in the season, maybe going to be a little sloppy on offense, I think both Kirby Smart and and Dabo Sweeney play this close to the vest, being a big-time game early in the season. I just see this being a very low-scoring game. No team wants to make the mistake that cost them the game. I see this now as being low-scoring, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I just don't think Georgia's going to be able to attack Clemson the way that they would be if they played later in the year and were healthy.
0: Yeah, I like that. I didn't have it before, but I will lock it up with you. I like the under 51 on Georgia Clemson for – lot of the reasons you said georgia they're not going to be able to do a lot with this offense considering some of those injuries um because of that and clemson still is a solid defense obviously and and georgia's not necessarily known for their offensive prowess over the past couple seasons under kirby smart so and they're obviously known for their defense and, and you know that's going to be the same situation this year this defense is going to be just as bad as it as it usually always is and they're coming up against a a team with DJ who is going to be a bit shaky probably to start the season, a lot of nerves in this huge game. So yeah, I look at this as a game. There's going to be a lot of nerves, especially in the first half. I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at a 10 to seven, seven to three type near the end of the first half type scoreline. So I definitely like the under Um, in terms of the game and how it plays out. It's tough. I mean, I was with you. I was going to pick Georgia to pull off the upset. Um, When you roll through those names, especially George Pickens, who is just an amazing wide receiver. It's, it's tough to, um, to pick Georgia when you roll through, when you roll through all those injuries, but, but still, I would be surprised if they keep this game close. There's still a really solid, solid team that's well coached and Clemson still has DJ coming in who I think personally is going to be a bit shaky in this game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be nervy. I think it's going to be a huge atmosphere, but at the end of the day, Clemson always finds a way to win these kind of games and Georgia always finds a way to lose them. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with what normally happens and I'm just going to, until i until georgia proves me different um then i'm gonna bet against them not not literally bet against them but but figuratively bet against them and say clemson finds a way to win a close one here i like it all right so what else do we have moving on from that yeah 8:30 p.m on fox really a fun game honestly it's you know i always mention i love these Two Power Five programs from from different Power Five conferences kind of coming together in a, in a weird random game. We have a lot of that this year, which is really fun. We didn't get to see that last year. So we're starved of it, and we have a lot of it this year, so, so it's awesome. And 8.30 p.m. on Fox, we have LSU traveling to UCLA. Um, UCLA has gotten their feet under them. They've gotten their feet wet. Um, they got to to play Hawaii last week. They looked really well. They ran out in that game and, and won it pretty easily against a, a Hawaii program that is, that is decent. And this is a UCLA team that's supposed to be pretty solid this year. It's a LSU team that is hoping to rebound after a really bad year last year, you know, a bit of a hangover after the national championship, they lost a lot of players, but I'm going to bet UCLA here. Um, I got it earlier in the week at plus three and a half. You could probably still get it at some sports books. It's plus three here on CBS, but Around that plus three number, I'd still take it. Plus three and a half for me, I'm going to lock up UCLA. They're at home. Um, It's a huge game for them, a huge game for Chip Kelly. They're looking solid this year. They're supposed to be really solid. And I've always kind of been an Ed Orgeron doubter. And I think that this is going to be a tough road game to start the season. And I think UCLA is going to keep it close. and, And I wouldn't be surprised if they won the game.
1: This is another one of those games that even though UCLA had, you know, A good performance last week you know I really thought you know LSU being that team out of the SEC you know they struggled last year but it was a really weird year for them and a lot of people are expecting them to bounce back this year and Chip Kelly hasn't figured it out and you know probably hasn't even had a season better than LSU had last year and that was considered a down year for LSU last year I was really ready to jump all over UCLA with you but this line came out at plus three. That's the best I can get it at now. I'm looking at every single bookie that Odd Shark has up is plus three. Um, I can't get it at plus three and a half with you. And even then, I I don't feel super confident about it. And really just – I don't know what we're going to expect LSU, out of LSU this year. Are they going to be the LSU – I mean, they're they're not going to be the LSU of two years ago that won the national championship. But are they going to be kind of that expected, you know, rebound team, you know, better than they were last year? Are they going to be that team last year that had a lot of discipline issues, a lot of, you know, just – they were just not a, as good of a football team last year. And, you know, I think they had some COVID setups last year, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley didn't play the whole year. Uh, he should be back for this game. Uh, so I, I just really don't know. And I think a lot of my hesitancy uneasiness just comes out of, I don't know when gonna get out of LSU. Am I going to get an LSU team that is fired up and dialed in and ready to, um, to get back after what happened last year? Am I going to get an LSU team that, you know, is a more like they were last year and kind of undisciplined and also, you know, you you, you know hate to bring it up as a reason for a football game, but, you know, they'd be displaced from their university. Uh, They haven't been on campus all week. Uh, They've been traveling. I believe they're in Texas right now, uh, practicing for a couple days before they travel to the Rose Bowl. So that's kind of an extra thing you got to think about, you know, as well. Are they going to be distracted by that? You know, not being, you know, worrying about what's happening, you know, back home, obviously, you know, prayers to everyone now who's who's recovering from the the hurricane but that's that's something you gotta you just kind of wonder where's LSU's mindset going into this game I have no idea what their mindset is going into this game so I just feel too uneasy about it to bet anywhere
0: yeah yeah I agree I mean that was I feel good about UCLA I don't feel great about LSU I'm taking UCLA but that the hurricane situation and you know who knows where the minds will be of the LSU players also kind of a reason I, I took UCLA I think it It's going to be a tough game for them. Obviously, you know, they they have a lot on their minds, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was tough game for them to get out and play. So this week never stops. It just keeps going. There's so many games. And now we even move on to a different day of the week. Sunday, Notre Dame is traveling to Florida state. Um, ABC uh, Notre Dame is seven and a half point favorites here. Notre Dame is ranked number nine, Florida state expected, you know, they still need some time to time to get better under Mike Norvell could be a long rebuilding process. Um, I think Notre Dame will win this game. They're just a better football team. Um, They have a more settled QB situation. They have a a lot more talent, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida State kept it close. Um, You know, this team has bought in under Mike Norvell, I wanna say, Um, they're they're believing under him. It's a team that's starting to bring in some talent, a team that always has talent too. And it's at Florida State, it's a night game. I'm sure it will be pretty raucous. I'm sure it'll be a fun game. I believe it's at Florida State, I assume. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's neutral, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll be raucous. It'll be a fun game. And Notre Dame, we talked about it in years past. They're not the kind of team, especially not this year with Jack Cohn and some of the other players they have that's going to blow out teams. So not a line I would touch. Um, I probably favor Notre Dame just because it's still a pretty low line for what Florida State is, but not a line I would touch. Notre Dame is not known for blowing out teams, especially not power five teams, but I think they'll they'll win in kind of a close one here. It'll be like a the score will be close, but Notre Dame will always feel comfortable. That's, that's my prediction.
1: Yeah, I really, this is another one of those games. I know we say that a lot, but it's kind of a theme you have in week one where you just don't know a lot about these teams. Uh, You really don't know what you're going to see. And Florida state, another one of those programs that brought in a lot of transfers trying to fill holes immediately, not waiting for, you know, 18 or 17, 18 year old recruits to come in and be developed for a couple of years. Uh, They're trying to fill those holes now and be a better football program now through the transfer portal. That's, a new weapon that these new coaches can use. And, and it's kind of see if, you know, will they be able to bring it all together though? That's something that, you know, is yet to see. Also another thing with, with Florida state is their their quarterback situation. We really don't know um, where it is. Obviously McKenzie Melton came in the transfer from UCF, but I mean, that, that wasn't just, you know, your typical broken foot. I mean, that was a, a nasty injury to the point where he can't practice full time. And so he's missing reps. And, and in that time, Jordan Travis, the redshirt sophomore has been able to get those reps and, and it sounds like Jordan Travis might be starting this game. Uh, that makes me feel uneasy though, about Florida state, just not being settled on a quarterback. You didn't have one of those quarterbacks really rise above the other and really win that position. Kind of just feels like you have to go with eh, the one that hasn't been as bad or, you know, has been, you know, slightly better than the other. Uh, but it's not like I'm feeling any more confident about Notre Dame's quarterback position. Jack Cohn, the transfer from Wisconsin came in and won the job and Jack Fone, Jack Cohn's fine. Uh, but Jack Cohn has a very low ceiling. He doesn't bring any extra dynamics to this, to the quarterback position that they had under Ian book. He's obviously a step down from what Ian book was. So it's going to be one of those those weird games. Uh, And again, I'm like you, I'm staying away from this line. And just because, you know, I don't know what we're going to get out of Florida state. It's going to be a lot of the theme in week one is we're just going to learn a lot about these teams. Um, You know, dealing with, you know, some teams didn't really have a full year last year due to COVID, you know, new coaches, transfer portal now is in full swing. And, you know, I, I even know Jack home at Notre Dame uh, until earlier this month. So uh, it's just going to be a lot about learning of these teams. I think that's why you and I are kind of not as high on our bet total this week. It's just going to be a lot of, of watching and learning. And this game is a great example of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, unless you're a college football expert, this is your job you're working on this weekend and week out. It, it's tough to know a lot about these teams until you really sit down and watch them, which is, I'm excited to get a couple weeks into the season and have some stronger feelings on each of these teams and have some better bets, you know, hopefully down the line and and even just stronger feelings on the games in general down the line. But we have one more game here, Labor Day, always a game on this night, Um, September 6th, Monday, 8 PM ESPN. It's kind of a disappointing game for Labor Day. If I'm being honest, it's usually a bigger game, but, but still fun game. Um, You know, two power five programs, Louisville um, versus Ole Miss, Ole Miss are 10 point favorites here. I think Ole Miss is going to be really solid this year with Lane Kiffin. We saw what they were last year, and that was with just one year of Lane Kiffin. Now had a non-COVID offseason to continue to drill in what they want to do under Lane Kiffin. Um, Louisville, oh, man, I mean, things are looking rough there at the moment. I know, you know, last season, last few seasons have been rough. I don't expect it to get much better with their coach kind of having comments about Louisville and kind of flirting with other programs and all that stuff. So – it's been a it's been a tough year or so for louisville and i think i feel good about Ole miss um winning this game and you know with their offense is going to be explosive i think they could win this game by by 10 plus which is the line
1: nothing like your big time monday evening at mercedes-benz stadium chick-fil-a kickoff game between a rebuilding Ole miss and a Willful program in Louisville. Obviously, I think this this kickoff is expecting these two teams to be in a little bit better positions like they were maybe five, six years ago when this game is scheduled. But it's again, it's one of those conference, it's one of those games where it's two teams in power five conferences who don't meet very often. I think that's another part of it as well, meeting for at a neutral site for a primetime game. And those games are just fun. And I, I definitely give the edge to Ole Miss in this game. Uh, their offense is going to be electric. We kind of saw a preview of it last year. It really kind of comes to Ole misses, you know, how's the defense going to be? You know, it can't get any worse from last year. Uh, it was ranked as one of the worst defenses last year, but can they at least be moderately better? Can they at least get enough stops so that that, that elite offense can win them games? It'll be really fun to see. I almost want to bet this game, but because I feel like Louisville is just so bad, uh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll do some more research into this game. I kind of forgot it was happening but as of right now I'm gonna have to stay away but a, a fun game for sure
0: yeah yeah I mean I think if Ole Miss had a little bit more returning production I would probably be betting them easily at minus 10 but like you mentioned they are they are missing a few pieces um so it could be a little bit of a rebuild I think it'll be more of a reload for them but but yeah um could be could be a fun game on on Labor Day but we'll see usually we're used to a little bit better matchup that night but but still um still two decently big name programs so yeah, that's week one. I mean, that's what we got. We've got a lot of big games. Um, it's really highlighted on that Saturday with uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, then Alabama, Miami, and then at night, Clemson, Georgia. But in between those games on Thursday, Friday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and even in between those games at some points on Saturday, there's just games everywhere. If you're a college football fan, these next um, what is that, uh, five days are just going to be amazing for you.
1: Exactly, I can't look forward to it. I've been going back and forth in my head now for a couple minutes. What was the number you got Michigan State Northwestern at? The total?
0: Uh, plus four. I think it's only plus three now.
1: Uh, the over/under. Sorry, excuse me. Oh, sorry.
0: Uh, forty-six.
1: Lock agreement. I'm in. That Thank game you. is going to be. I mean, last year went forty-nine, and I think there was a couple like long touchdowns in those games. Mm. Uh, in that game where Michigan state just had two 75 yard bombs out of nowhere. Uh, These teams are going to struggle to score. I think Northwestern, it'll be a struggle for them to get to fifth, to get to 14 points, two touchdowns in this game. Uh, And while I do think Michigan state wins this game, I think it's going to be a game that they're just going to want to win. And so keeping it kind of close to the vest and just staying ahead will be enough for them. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, I like the minus 46 there or under 46, excuse me.
0: All right, we have five days of huge games ahead of us. Even six if you want to count UAB, Jacksonville State, or whatever it is tonight. I mean, it's going to be really fun slate. Really excited for these next five days as a college football fan. Uh, do you have any any parting words for the people?
1: I do not. Other than the fact that you know this is, in my opinion, the second best weekend of college football. It's college football for technically five straight days if you want to count tonight. Um, I might throw it on in the background, but really four straight days of really good football uh, there will be no parting for me this weekend there will be no getting drunk for me this weekend i will be sober as i watch all of these games college football will be my will be my liquor for this weekend it is and just it's going to be crazy it's going to be wacky teams are going to play bad games are going to be ugly but just embrace the ugliness embrace the wackiness you know just revel in it and it's and just revel in the fact that we have four straight days of a full week slate of college football with fans in the stands and just be happy it's back.
0: Those are the parting words from my co-host J JT Hershowski. embrace it. Yes, it is college football. Yes. The, lo- you know, the, the talent level, the play level is lower than the NFL, but that's, that's kind of why we love it. It's wacky. It's fun. It's the colleges you went to. It's the colleges you love. It's the names, you know, it's the names you love. And that's what it's all about. We love college football and these are going to be a great four to five days of watching it. And that's all I got. And that's all JT's got. So that will do it. We'll be back next week to preview week one. I'm just even, even thinking about next week's podcast. I'm tired. We're going to have to preview or review all these great games and preview week two, which is another fun slate, huge games like Washington, Michigan, Ohio state, Oregon, a lot of other ones. So that podcast is going to be a big one, but, We will be back midweek to uh, review what is going to be an awesome week one and talk about week two, but for now that will do it for two guys, one mic.